0: mm <laughs> You have really just um, blown my mind today. And um, I said this in the first service. She she ministered in both services, but I told her that what she felt and what she was experiencing was the anointing of God. How many sensed the anointing of God on her as she sang this song? Give me someone that has the anointing of God. Because the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. I'm just telling you, as you sing under the anointing... Butler, where's Butler? Butler, you were anointed today to to lead us in worship. Listen, ladies, girls, as you sing under the anointing of God, people who are bound can be set free. That's how powerful that is. So thank you for ministering in song today. Amen. (laughs) Do we clap or do we not clap? Thank you, Paige, for ministering in (laughs) song. Let's commit to it, right? I'm excited about the word that God has for us today. We are going to continue in a study I've entitled. His last words. We're studying what Jesus said just before he died, before he breathed his last, hanging on a cross. What did he say? As we study his words, we learn more about him. We found out already that even as he's dying, he's speaking forgiveness. He spoke forgiveness, he prayed, Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He prayed for forgiveness for the people who were actually crucifying him, the ones who wrongly accused him, the ones who wrongly abused him, and here he is dying, and what's he praying? He's praying for forgiveness. Wow. We also found out last week that in his dying days, his dying moments, his dying breaths, he prays for salvation. There is a thief on either side of Jesus, one mocking Jesus, the other saying, please, Jesus, have mercy on me. Remember me today, he said. And Jesus speaks to the thief on the cross, and he says, this day you will be with me in paradise. And we see salvation coming forth from the Master, even as he's dying. I want you to open your Bible today to the Gospel according to John. John chapter 19 is where we're going today. We're going to see what else Jesus had to say as he hung on the cross. John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple whom he loved, Behold your mother. And from that very hour, that disciple took her into his own home. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we're asking that you speak to us today. Guide us and lead us, develop us by the power of your word. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The third word that Jesus spoke on the cross can be summed up in this one word. The third word is compassion. Somebody say compassion. Oh, aren't you thankful today for the compassion of the Lord? And I believe this sums up what he said on the cross, this third set of words that he said. Compassion. Today I want us to look at the compassion that flowed from the cross. Let's look today at the compassion that flowed from the Christ. And I want you to see the scope of the compassion. How big is the compassion of our God? If you're taking notes today, I want you to jot down a few things. First of all, I want us to look at the compassion that God has for the world. His compassion is global. He's got the whole world in His his hands, we used to sing. Anybody remember that song growing up? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the little bitty babies in His hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. You and me, sister, in his hands. The whole world, his compassion is for the world. Why is that so? Well, because God created the world. I believe God's compassion is for the world because God created the world. Do you believe that God created the world? I don't want to just assume because you're in church today that you believe that God created the world. There are many folks that do not believe in creation, they believe in evolution. And I found out something very startling. This is a journal that I receive quarterly. Every, every three months, I get a, a new enrichment journal, it's sent to all the assemblies of God pastors. And um, I found it to be very, very helpful for me. And I keep, keep these journals in my library, and I reference them quite often. Last week, I read this article. It is entitled, Adam, Eve, and the Gospel, by Richard Davis and Paul Franks. In this article, they are refuting Christian evolutionists. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Did you know that there was such a thing? Christian Evolutionist. And so they don't just believe in God, they believe in Christ. But yet they have twisted and distorted and perverted the truth of the gospel because they think it's too far-fetched to think that God created the heavens and the earth and that God created man. They would rather believe in a Big Bang Theory Theory, Emphasis on theory. You notice there's no proof, right? It's a theory. Right. The theory of what? Evolution. Right? Well, if we, have to put, if we have to put a hope in something, I'm not going to put it in the theory of the Big Bang. I'm not going to put it in the theory of evolution. I'm going to put it in what I believe to be factual, what I believe to be truthful, and that is that God created us. I don't believe we came from goo to the zoo and now to you. Although some people act like gorillas, I I, I better go on. I believe that the God who said, let there be light, and there was, could also take a little bit of dirt and form man and then reach inside of man and pull out a rib and form woman. Y'all believe that? Charlie, you believe that? You're giving me a nod and a little, I'm with you, Pastor. He just gave me a little like this. I'm with you, Pastor. I like that. You keep me preaching good. I'm with you, Pastor. I like when you chatter at me. You know that? I like when you push me a little bit, Dorothea. Come on, Pastor. I like that. It helps me. It's like sicking him to a dog, right? <laughs> I believe that in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. I wonder if I have any believers here today that God created the heavens and the earth, that God took took some dirt and formed man, that God reached in man and formed woman. Christian evolutionists, I was just shocked. I was disturbed. This is our society. God created the world. He's invested in his creation. I had a part in creating three people, and Butler, and Daisy. I helped create them. And so, because they're part of my creation, they have my same DNA, my blood flowing through their veins, I'm invested in my creation. How many parents understand what I'm talking about? You can't just... You can't just cut them loose. I don't care what age they are. You, they're part of you, and you're invested in them. Right. Part of you help create them. God created this world, and He started the world turning, and He had a wonderful plan even at creation level of turning this world. But our world didn't. It didn't take too very long for our world to think that she knew better than God. And so our world started turning away from God. And our world started turning to itself. Our world started turning to to other leaders, other gods, little g, because we know there's only one God. It is Jehovah God. It is Yahweh God. He's the only living God. He's the only wise God. Come on, somebody, and give God praise today. There is no other God. He's the only God. But people started thinking, well, maybe, maybe I can find my strength in myself. I can find my strength in another person. I can find my strength or my leadership in another God. And the world started turning away from God. And because God created the world, he also cares for the world. God cares for this world. He didn't just say, well, you all on your own. Even with Noah, he saved a remnant, didn't he? Noah and his wife and his children were saved so that they could repopulate the world. Because God cared for the world that he created. Didn't take very long even after that for the world to turn again, did it? So God says, well, I'm not going to send another flood. I already promised that. Every time you see a rainbow, by the way, be reminded that God promised us He wasn't going to flood us out again. Hallelujah. God came up with another plan because He cares for the world that He created. I'm talking to you about the scope of God's compassion. It's global. It's worldwide. God developed yet another plan. And here it is, the great... Plan of compassion. We find it in the most noted scripture in all the word of God, most memorized, most recited. It is this verse. There is none other, more, more known. It's John 3:16. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I would say that is a really, really good plan from God to save this world. God created the world. God cares for the world. And in that care, he sent his son. And the compassion just keeps getting greater. It keeps getting better because John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent His Son into the world that the world, through Him, might be saved. Come on and thank God today for His great plan of redeeming the world. For turning the world back to Him. His compassion. What is the scope of His compassion? It's global. It's worldwide. But I want to bring it a little bit closer. I want to bring it in a little bit more for you. His compassion is for the cities. Number two, his compassion is for the cities. Does anybody know where the starting city was that Jesus started his earthly ministry? And if you were in the first service, please don't answer. Galilee. Galilee. This was the launching city. For Jesus' earthly ministry. We, we see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee. This is where we first find Jesus in his adult ministry, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And it goes on to tell of Jesus Setting those who are demon possessed free from the devil. Powerful. Jesus ministered in Galilee, and as he ministered, compassion came forth from him. The Galileans felt the compassion of Jesus. He saw the people in need of healing, he saw all of the sickness, he saw those who were tormented by the devil even possessed by the devil. Because let's face it, folks, if we do not choose Christ by default, we're choosing the enemy. We may not not say it quite like that because that's too uncomfortable for us. We may not like thinking about it like that, but if, if we do not accept Christ and accept God's gift of everlasting life through His Son, then by default, we are accepting the enemy's plan. And we give ourselves over to the the attack of the enemy, even possession from the enemy. There's demon possession that goes on today. Jesus saw all of this in Galilee, and compassion came forth from him for the sick, for those in need of healing, for those who are tormented by the enemy. We see the compassion of Jesus not only in Galilee, we see the compassion of Jesus in Jerusalem, the Mecca city, the the mother city. Luke 19, 41 says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city. The city he's speaking of here is the city of Jerusalem. And what happened? Compassion came. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. Why, Why did he have compassion for this city? Well, Jesus actually saw the lostness of the city of Jerusalem. He saw all the people in this city that were lost and confused. He saw the consequence of their choices. Do you know today, church, that every choice that you make, good or bad, has a consequence? If you want good consequences, oh, this is just good bare bones teaching right here, but you could, you could handle it. If you want good consequences, make good choices. That will just translate anywhere in society. This will work for even the lost. Did you know that? Sowing and reaping. God put a law in motion. He calls it sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, that you're going to reap. If you want good consequences, sow good choices, sow good seeds. And if you're experiencing some bad consequences, don't get mad at God at it. Don't get mad at your spouse over that. Don't get mad at your boss over that. It could be that you planted some bad seed back here. And now it's coming up and you've got to eat it. All right, I'll move on. That's all right. Jesus wept with compassion over the lostness of Jerusalem. He saw the consequences of the choices and he saw the enemy coming to destroy her. Jesus had compassion not only in Galilee, not only in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us he had compassion in every city that he went to. His compassion in all the cities. Look at this in Matthew chapter uh, chapter 9 and verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. Watch this, verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Why? They were weary. They were scattered. They were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd his compassion and the reason for his compassion in this passage of scripture is a little different than what we've seen in the other passages his compassion is for the weary anybody ever just get tired you be honest today you just get tired i get tired i have so much on my plate and so much responsibility and making sure that everything is in balance. I never want my my family to drop down the line of priority. It happens all too often for ministers. So I have to consciously keep Karen and the kids and my family at the proper place. Hear me today, pastors. Hear me today. It, it, It wears me out sometimes, right? Trying to keep that balance and then keeping the church and we got a school and we got a preschool and on it goes. I just get tired sometimes. Jesus had compassion for the tired, for the weary, for the wore out. You ever just get sick and tired? Tired and sick? He has compassion for that. The scattered. You know what I thought of when I I read this word scattered? I thought of scatterbrained. (laughs) Because I get scatterbrained sometimes. I get a little fragmented in my thinking. I can't keep it all straight sometimes. And, and I'm just being honest with you today. Sometimes I just get scattered in my thinking even. And Jesus, don't be nodding so strongly, Butler. Just a little nod would have been okay. That was an awfully strong amen from the front row too. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Come on. I'm okay to say I get scatterbrained sometimes. I get fragmented in my thinking sometimes because I know I'm not alone. How many scatterbrained do I have out in the house? Every now and then you just get a little scatterbrained. Jesus has compassion for us, scatterbrained folk. Hallelujah. For the weary, for the scattered, for the people who are just wandering around lost, looking for somebody to lead them. They're, they're like sheep that don't have a shepherd. You, we need to be led. Jesus has compassion for that. He had compassion in Galilee. He had compassion in Jerusalem. He had compassion in every city, every village that he he visited. And then I I went one more point, and and I put it like this, his compassion in La Palma. But I know that everybody doesn't live in La Palma, so I want you to put your city in there. What city do you live in? Where are you living? Anaheim. Whittier. Whittier. Terre Haute. we got a ocean here today. I like it. Write it down. What city do you live in? Buena Park? Cyprus? Cerritos, Orange, Norwalk. I don't, it doesn't matter what city you live in. I want you to hear this today. Jesus has compassion for our cities. He looks down from heaven even today and he sees the sick. He sees the disease. He sees the lost. He sees the weary. He sees the scattered and the scatterbrained. He sees the sin-sick people and he has compassion. I wonder, do we have the compassion that Christ has? Do we have compassion for the people who are sick? Do we have compassion for the people who are lost? I wonder how many times we, we say, or maybe not say, but think in our hearts, well, they, they get what they deserve. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, no compassion. No compassion. What is the scope of the compassion from Jesus? It's worldwide. But it's for the cities. Let me tighten the bullseye down just a little bit more. His compassion is for the family. This brings us back to our text, actually. His compassion is for the family. I think of some of the families that Jesus interacted with and and that Jesus made an impact in their homes. Because Jesus didn't, didn't just preach in the synagogues, did he? Jesus went into the home. Zacchaeus was up on the the tree because he was short and he couldn't see him. And he ended up in Zacchaeus' home, didn't he? I think of another home he went to. He went to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These are sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother is Lazarus. And the Bible's very clear. He would go over and hang with these people. They had a close relationship with Jesus. I I, I really believe that. He'd go and eat in their home. He cared about this family. And this family had a tragedy arise. You ever had a tragedy arise in your family? Someone they loved was dying. And it was so bad, he actually died. Lazarus, their brother, he died. And Jesus arrives on the scene after Lazarus was dead. The family is distraught, naturally. Mary and Martha run out to meet Him and they both at different points say, Oh, Jesus, have you just been here sooner? And they're weeping, and Jesus had compassion for this family. You can look this up later, it's in John chapter 11. It won't come up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, maybe jot this one down. John 11, verse number 33, it tells us that He was troubled and he groaned in his spirit. Compassion. And of course, the shortest scripture in all the word of God, it's verse number 35 of John chapter 11. Jesus wept. He groaned. He was troubled. Why? I believe it was because he had compassion for this family. He was empathizing. Do you know what empathy is? It's when you actually feel what somebody else is going through. And you hurt for that. You have sorrow or you have compassion for that. It happens for me often. I think it happens for other pastors, and maybe the board or anybody that's praying with somebody. You should feel that from time to time. Immediately, I will just begin to even weep and cry with people. I'm not going through it, but God gives me empathy and I feel their pain. I believe Jesus felt the pain of Mary and Martha because he cared for them, he had compassion for them. And I believe also he loved Lazarus. And remember, he was all human and all God. Even though he knew what he was going to do, could he have at least had some bit of grief for a friend who died and a family that was grieving because of death? I believe so. And compassion came for this family. Of course, he said, roll away the stone after we're done crying here, roll away the stone. And they said, Jesus, I don't know if we should roll away the stone because he's already been dead for four days. Probably he stinks. That's what the Bible says. They did their best to, you know, to wrap them up. They didn't have embalming fluid like we have today. They would put spices and, and, and flowers and, and whatever they could, wrap the body, but after four days... No spice is going to cover this up. He said, roll away the stone. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus came out of the tomb bound head to feet. And then he said, loose him, take off the bandages, and let him go. Mary and Martha that day experienced the compassion of Jesus for their family. And they also experienced the power of Jesus. Jairus also, he and his family felt the compassion of Jesus. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He, was, he was, had some authority, had some leadership. problem was his daughter was dying. So Jairus comes to Jesus and says, "'Will you come to my home?' my daughter's dying, and I know that if you touch her, she'll be made well. Jesus says, okay. So Jesus starts on the road to Jairus' house, okay? So they're traveling down the road, heading to Jairus' house. The Bible tells us that a great multitude followed Jesus, and in fact, they begin to just Throng Jesus or just crowd him so much. Everybody's saying, I've got to get to him. I've got my own situation. I've got my own issue. Everybody wanting to press in and touch on Jesus, right? Oh, that we would have more churches today that just says, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to the house of God. I've got to get to the presence of God. I'm not going to let softball keep me. I'm not going to let soccer keep me. I'm not going to let the lake keep me. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to his presence. Mm. Give me one, Charlie. There we go. Thank you. So there, Jesus is on his way to to touch the little girl, right? But he's interrupted. He's interrupted and, and, and pressed in on every side and really comes to a standstill. Everybody pressing in on him. And one woman had the gall. She had no business being there because she was unclean. She had a bleeding disorder probably minstrel. She had no business being in the, in, in the area of, of other people. She's unclean. She's supposed to be out on the outskirts of town. What's she do? She gets on her hands and knees and she just crawls through the crowd, presses through the crowd. I hope I don't get caught for this. She crawls through the crowd and she reaches through and she just touches the very bottom portion of his robe. And Jesus said, Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Who touched me? Who touched me? And one of the disciples, Peter, one of them said, What are you talking about, Lord? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping up against you. Such a crowd here, right? He said, No, no, no. This is a touch like no other. I'm not talking about somebody bumping into me. Somebody touched me. And I felt virtue flow out from me. And that woman, finally, she confessed, And she was immediately healed from her issue. Jesus is on his way to a family's home. And he's interrupted. And he heals a woman. Don't think just because Jesus hasn't arrived yet that he's late in coming. Because Jesus is always right on time. Mary and Martha thought he was late getting to Lazarus, but he was always right on time. He had a plan that Mary and Martha didn't know about. Jairus thought Jesus was late. It was too late. She's already dead now. But Jesus is never late. He's seldom early, but he's always right on time. Don't think just because he didn't arrive when you wanted him to arrive that he's late in coming. When he gets there, it'll be perfect timing, and he'll do what he always does. He'll heal. He'll raise. Hallelujah. He finally arrives, and well, there it is again. Jairus' daughter is dead by this time. So J- Jesus comes in, and he says, She's not dead, she's just asleep. Now start making fun of him. Look at verse number 40 of Mark chapter 5. They ridiculed Jesus, and so he sent him out. When he had put them all outside, he took the what? He took the the father and the mother. We're talking about his compassion toward the family. He took the father and the mother of the little girl and those who were with him, and they entered into the, the bedroom area probably where the child was lying. See this in your mind's eye. They're going into a room where a little girl has died. And he looked at her, and he took the child by the hand, and he said... Kalitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up out of that bed. Hallelujah. Arise and live. And the little girl lived. His compassion is for the family. Mary Martha Lazarus felt that compassion. Jairus and his wife and his little girl felt that compassion. His own blood family felt his compassion. Here he is hanging on the cross. What exudes from him? Compassion. He looks down and sees his mother. And he's concerned about her welfare. It just blows my mind. He's been beaten almost to death. They beat him to the point of death. One more lash, they say, would have killed a man. They knew exactly how to beat somebody to the point of death and then stop. And that's what Jesus got. He was beat... To death, to death's door. Scorned, ridiculed, mocked, crown of thorns, now nails in his hands and in his feet. Do you see him this? And what does he do? He has compassion for his own mother. Joseph isn't mentioned. The last time we hear of Joseph, Mary's husband, he's mentioned when Jesus is 12 years old and he's, he's lost at the temple. That's the last time we... we here of Joseph. So scholars, most scholars believe that Joseph had died from the time Jesus was 12 till he's now in his earthly uh, adult ministry. There's no mention. So Joseph's probably out of the picture. And so Jesus was used to helping his mother and taking care of his mother. And now he's thinking, who's going to take care of her? Now, why his siblings aren't mentioned, I don't know. They're mentioned by name in Matthew chapter 13, but they're nowhere around the cross. But he sees a disciple that he loves. Wouldn't you like that title, Pete? John, the beloved. The one that Jesus loved. I like that. Maybe it's because John was the only one, at least that's mentioned, of the disciples even, that stood all the way to the end and hung out till Jesus died. And so he said, I want you to care for my mother like she's your mother. In other words, that's what this, is, this is what his last words are really suggesting. Not that it is John's mother. It was not John's literal mother. It was Jesus' literal mother. But he's saying, John, I want you to care for her like she's your own mother. Bring up our text again, John 19. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. Can you imagine just taking somebody into your own home and caring for them? This is the compassion that came from Jesus. That day it was for his very own family. I want to say one more thing before I move on and close out this message. His compassion is for your family. Whether you're married or divorced, single, a widow, whether you have children in the home or grandchildren in the home, whether your kids are raised and out of the home, you're still part of a family. Jesus has compassion for your family. What is the scope of his compassion? It's worldwide, isn't it? He loves the world. He created the world. He cares for the world. It's citywide. He cares about La Palma. I'm thankful today that he cares for La Palma and the city you live in. And he cares, Dad, he cares about our family, the bland clan. He cares about us and all of our struggles. We've had a struggle or two over over time. You lost your first wife, my mother. That's hard. That's difficult. And other struggles along the way. And e- each one God has seen and had compassion for us. But I want to close with this. His compassion is for the individual. It's, it's for the individual. His compassion is for one. He had compassion for his mother. I want the worship team to come. That's one person, Mary. And his compassion reached just that one. But he had compassion for John, I believe, too. John is mentioned there at the cross. It's one that he loved, clearly. And I believe that compassion from Jesus went to just John as well. There's a few other ladies mentioned. Mary's sister, Salome. Very likely, she's not mentioned as Salome here, but very likely this is Salome. I like that name. You like that name, DK? Salome. Has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? His mother's name is Salome. He had compassion for his aunt there on the cross. Just one. Mary, Magdalene, certainly compassion came from Jesus again to her. He had rescued her and freed her from sin, probably watched her along her life, and now here she is loyal to the very end. He's got compassion for this woman. Mary, the wife of Clopas, don't know much about her, but Jesus' compassion is for her. His compassion is for one, let me say it like this, his compassion is for you. Don't leave his compassion global. That's safe for some people. The God that created all that is and formed the universe and hung the stars and placed the planets. Okay. But now you're bringing him in too close to me, Pastor Steve. My city, okay, I could probably duck away there somehow. Maybe even family, you can, you can hide somewhere. But when you're just talking about his compassion for one, there's no place to hide. You just need to embrace the compassion of Jesus for one, for you. Would you bow your heads today? I want you to think about the compassion of Jesus as he hung on the cross, pouring it out to his mother and those around the foot of the cross still flows today. A love so great and so grand. Know today that he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. you to stand all across this sanctuary today and we are going to experience the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus, global compassion, worldwide compassion, a compassion for our cities and for our families, but it is a compassion that is for me. concern, we thank you today for this word of compassion, freely poured out on all the world and all the cities, all of our families, freely poured out on me. Let us know your compassion today to us, yes, but may it come through us. Let your compassion be seen through us, God, in our conduct, in our actions, in our words, in our deeds. We are your hands and feet. So may your compassion be extended through us. Come on and cup your hands up to heaven one more time and say, God, let your compassion not just come to me, Come on, ask God that his compassion would come through you, to you, and through you. Know his compassion today. Extend his compassion today. Amen. Amen. So there is the word for you today. The third word is compassion. Amen. How many appreciated the word of God in your heart today? May it be sealed pushing what God sent it to accomplish. I'm so glad you came today. It's always good to see your smiling face. Just before you leave, I want you to give somebody a handshake or hug their neck and tell them that you appreciate them. Also, meet me here at 5 o'clock. We'll have a piece of pie together. I don't know. We'll have something. But come ready to celebrate. I've got some new news that I want to propose to you tonight, and I'm excited about that. So please join us here. Five o'clock for dessert, six o'clock for our meat.